Amen. Well, this morning I want to get into part two of what we taught last week, which is the valuable word. And so this morning, if you would, turn over with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, where we're going to start. And as you turn there, I'm going to kind of give you just a, a quick outline, a couple of key takeaways that we're going after in this message today. I'm going to catch you up. If you weren't here or hadn't heard last week's message, I want to just kind of give you a taste of what we covered because these two things really go together. Um, the first thing I want to say is this, the purpose of this message today, the valuable word, part two, the purpose of this message is to identify the need for godly wisdom in this hour and equip you to differentiate and hold on to that which is good. I'll say that again for you. The, the purpose of the message today is to identify the need for godly wisdom in this hour and equip you to differentiate and hold on to that wisdom which is good, that wisdom which is from God. I told you we'd catch up from last week. Um, what we shared last week about was about... Um, reaffirming the value of God's word in your heart. I don't know if, if you were here, you probably heard uh, about there's really no reason not to put the word in your life. We've all got access to it. We've got, you know, a hundred translations on our phones. We've probably got Bibles in our houses or in our cars or places. There's no real reason why we wouldn't go to the word other than if we don't value it enough to spend time in it. And so that's just a taste of one of the things we talked about last week. You know, part of establishing the value of God's word in our life is recognizing that life comes from the word of God. And I'm not trying to re-preach last week's message. You can go back and watch that if you want to hear it again or hear it for the first time. But Matthew 4.4 4 talks about how life in its fullness comes from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so God's word is the source of life. And so that's one reason that it has value for us. The second reason we talked a lot about the value of God's word is that the word of God is what sets us apart from the world. The word of God is that which gives us um, knowledge, truth, understanding, a, a way, a, a path forward that the world doesn't have. In fact, I'm going to get into that right off this morning about how we have another option in Christ. The Word of God gives us another option. We're not stuck to just walk the world's path. We are given another way, another path, another option in Christ. And so the Word is so valuable because it's our escape from the world. I mean, that's just one way to say it. The Word sets us apart. The, world, the Word gives us a way away from the destruction of the world. It gives us another way of living, a good way of living. Amen? And one of the last things we talked about last week was this, when someone values the word, they become a doer of the word. When you value the word, you apply the word. When I believe the word, I put it into action in my life. We didn't spend a lot of time on that, but it's a pretty critical thing. And we saw uh, with the nation of Israel how they became doers of God's word. They, when they crossed the Red Sea, after some time of figuring things out, they went into the land of Canaan and the people, it said their hearts melted when they heard Israel was coming because of who Israel's God was. And the only reason that these people were afraid of Israel showing up is because Israel had started doing the word of God. They had become obedient and cooperative with God's plan. And when that happens, when you become a doer, I'll tell you what, the, the world is in trouble. Real, well, I'll say this, the enemy's in trouble and the world has some hope. When a Christian shows up and they're doers of the word, watch out devil and hey, get ready world because we're about to get some hope and we're about to get some life because life in its fullness proceeds from the mouth of God, which is his word. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, where I want to start this morning talking about the need for godly wisdom in this hour. 
The need for godly wisdom in this hour. It says this in Ephesians 5.15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. The first thing I, I take away from this passage in Ephesians 5.15-17 through 17, is this, how you live matters. How you live matters. Not everyone will tell you that, but it's the truth. Not everyone will say, it matters what decision you make. It matters what you do, but it does. It matters whether I'm living, well, like it says, I'm, these are God's words. These are the Bible's words, not my own. It matters if you're living like a fool or like a wise person. You might be thinking, well, why does that matter? It's only affecting me. Well, here's the first thing. God cares about you. God cares about what your life looks like and where you end up, but even... Beyond that, I'll tell you the, another reason it matters how you live is because you represent God's kingdom. If you've received the word, if you bear the name Christian, you're representing God to the world. And I don't want to make God look like a fool. Amen? Anybody with me there? I, I want to represent him well. We've talked about that in the past. We're here to shine a light to the world. Wisdom is a light. Wisdom will show people a better way. And then the third reason is this. Obeying and cooperating with God's plan is, is a good plan of life, and it's going to bring life into mine. And so how you live matters. This is the first takeaway of this scripture. The need for godly wisdom in this hour is because if we're living without wisdom, we're not going to be living in God's best option. And this is the second point, and I said this a minute ago, we have an option. This is something we get in the Word of God. When we value the Word, when we know the Word, we get another option. Here's the option for you. There's, there's basically two options that people have. Either, number one, we can live for eternity and live in the life that Christ has provided for eternity. Or like this verse points out, we can live in the, the foolishness of this short and evil day. There's really only these two options. Because if someone's looking and thinking eternally, if they're minded about eternity, well, it, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to receive the Word, and I'm going to receive Christ, and I'm going to get eternal life. Right? I mean, if we're looking at eternity, if we have eternal perspective, I mean, it's not even, it's not even a question. The, the foolishness, I believe, is when we don't have eternal perspective and we only think about today and I only think about what's going on right now and what's going to be best in this specific moment. It's, it's forgetting about what might come ahead to think about what is good or what would be uh, fun or fulfilling right in this very moment. What's interesting about this, though, is that um, the foolishness being this kind of short-sighted approach is identifying that the day is evil. Did you catch that it said that? That the day is evil in verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Here's just what I'm putting together right now with this is if, if I'm not thinking about eternity, if I'm not living for eternity and I'm living for the short term, I'm living for the evil days. Do you see that this morning? If I'm not living for the eternal life that Christ provides, and I'm just focused on right now, then I'm focused on the evil part. Because there's still an enemy here. And I don't know if you've looked out your door in the last five years, but there's evil out there. There's wickedness out there. There's some messed up stuff going on out there. Why would I live for this time? Or why would I be you know, focused on this time? Why would I make this time the priority? You know, and I say that 
Meaning, why would I put all the value on what's going to happen or, or feel maybe fulfilling in a moment for a second in this vapor of a life right now? There's eternity ahead. And so even when it comes to interacting with other people and whether I'm going to live wisely or foolishly, I have to recognize that those people's eternity is on the line here. And so when I say I'm living for eternity and not today, I'm going to live in a way that brings other people to eternity. Amen. You get it? I'm going to live for the eternal life, not for the evil of, of the day. We have an option. We have an option. Eternity is before us in Christ. Eternity is an option in Christ where it was not before. Following the Lord is the reason we have an option. And here, talking about wisdom, it says don't act thoughtlessly. Because we have a comparison. It says don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, which would be living like fools, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is our other option. We, if we're doing what the Lord wants us to do, we're saying yes to the option of eternal life. Because that's what he wants. Did you know that? That it's God's will that you would know him and be with him and have eternal life in him? I don't know if everybody hears that all the time, but it's the truth. God wants you to be saved. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. God doesn't want anybody broken in life. God doesn't want evil and corruption and destruction and theft and, and hurt. That's not what God wants. He wants life, and that's why he sent his son. And so if we're doing what the Lord wants us to do, we're going to be interacting with eternity and we're going to be living wisely based on the word of God. And here's the other piece of this. If, if I'm not doing what the Lord wants me to do, then I'm rejecting his guidance and following someone else. And the problem with following someone other than the Lord is I'm following someone who's imperfect. Christ is the only perfect one. He's the only perfect man who's ever lived. He's the only one who's lived the perfect life, lived the way that God had intended for us to live. He's the only one. And so if I'm not following him, if I'm not doing what he has instructed to do, if I'm not valuing his word most highly, but I'm valuing some other person's word, you know, some network's word, some friend's word, some anybody else's word, then I'm not following the perfect one who lived the perfect life. I'm following someone who's got just as many problems as I might have. Or worse yet, maybe I'm isolating myself and just doing what I think is right. Well, to do that, I better believe that I'm perfect. Because if I'm following just what I think, and I'm not giving guidance, or I'm not letting input from the Word of God, the valuable Word of God, then I'm trusting totally in myself. The Word we follow is the Word we trust. The one who we, we follow after, that's the one that we're putting our trust or our faith in. And so we can do that with people. We can do it with ourselves, or we can do it with the one perfect man, Jesus Christ. We can do it with the one who is good and who has life. <clears throat> Here's another piece about this with, with the evil day and not falling into it. Because I think this is a temptation we fall into is there's a lot of words in the day. There's a lot of words, there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of thoughts we can follow, a lot of people we could follow, but there's only one who has walked good and perfectly, and that's Christ. Um, the day right now is evil, and, and I think that's something we have to know about the day, or we will be fooled into believing that it's not. Um, I put it this way in my notes, the day is evil, so don't expect it not to be. You know, there's, there's a belief out there that the world is just good 
on its own that that the status of the world right now is is good that it is um something that is life-giving that it's something that is you know pleasant and good and it's not in fact in in this ephesians 5 this was written 2000 years ago and it's saying the day is evil now how much more is evil is it today how much more evil is the day now that we are you know approaching the end of this age and the lord's return is soon to come I mean, it's, it's going to get progressively more evil. And so in this time, it's so important to recognize that the word I'm following cannot be a word of this evil day, but it must be the word of God, which is good and brings life. Because if I'm following something else, then what I'm, what I'm doing is I, I am not following the perfect word, which leads to life, but rather selling out for something of this evil and temporary time. And I don't know about you, but I want to follow that which leads to eternal life. Amen. And it is the word of God, understanding what the Lord wants us to do and being a doer of that, that is what sets us apart from the evil of the day. And it's by giving us wisdom and knowledge of God, which is so valuable, so valuable. You know, I've said this before, the most valuable thing, the best thing I could give someone is what the Bible says. I mean, it's just the truth. I could give you my opinion. I could think about it for a while and let you know what I think. The best thing I could give anybody is the word of God, because this is completely true. And it's, it's, it's un, untarnished by the world. Isn't that good? We have something here that is completely untarnished by the world. This is pure knowledge, pure truth, pure wisdom. And, and, you know, I, where I went to Bible college, I love the, the Brother Hagen, the man who started that Rhema um, church and, and program and school. Something he would say all the time was, you know, don't just take my word for it. Go to the Bible and read it for yourself. I will encourage you that anytime you ask me anything that I preach, go look at the word for yourself. Because I recognize that I'm not Jesus. And I'm not perfect. And as, as much as I study and I try to get it right every single week when I preach, I recognize that there are times where I get it wrong. There, there are times where I, I may not understand something or I may have a perspective because of living in the world that isn't totally right on the Word of God. And that's why I'm going to always tell you, read the Word for yourself. That's why I try to take you to places in the Word as we go through these Sunday morning messages. Is I, I don't just want to give you my thoughts. I want to give you the Word of God. It's the best thing I can do for you. And as I give you that, I'm, I'm going to tell you the things that the Holy Spirit's revealing and teaching me because I believe that that's effective and I believe that's part of equipping the body for the work of Christ. But I'll tell you this. Christ and the Word of God are the only two things that are totally pure, totally right, totally true all the time. Any, any person is going to be flawed because we live in a flawed world. Amen. Hope you'll still receive me as your pastor, even though I've got, I'm, you get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go on to Proverbs one, verse seven. <clears throat> we said this last week, truth or knowledge applied is what wisdom is. I don't want to spend time going over that again this morning. But the truth or knowledge being applied, how it is applied, how you work out something that's true, how you apply a piece of knowledge, that is, is what we see in the word described as wisdom. And I talked about that in last week's message. I gave you some references about that last week. Here's something I, wanna, I want us to look at this morning. Where does wisdom begin? 
Where does wisdom start? I think last week we saw the value of wisdom. I think even talking this morning, we see why wisdom is important because we don't want to just fall into the evil of the day. I want to know the better way to live. I want to live the life way that Christ brought. I want to be a doer of what God says. I want to understand and apply what God wants me to do, not just what a person or even myself my old man would want me to do. No, I want to know where wisdom's at so that I can receive it. Where is the start of wisdom? In Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The reverent fear of the Lord, that is worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning and preeminent part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. But arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline. Reverence for God is at the beginning of knowledge and knowledge is at the beginning of wisdom reverence for god which is called the fear of the lord and i'm going to talk more about that in a second reverence for god the fear of the lord is at the beginning of knowledge and as we looked at last week knowledge is at the beginning of wisdom so once i know something once i've got truth then the holy spirit can teach me how to apply that truth in my life but until i've got the knowledge i can't have wisdom we got that last week right and do you see that today if I don't have knowledge, if I don't have truth, then I've got nothing to apply, so I don't have any wisdom. But where does knowledge come from? What, what's the starting point of that? Well, it says it's reverence for God. It is the fear of the Lord is the start of knowledge. I want to talk for you, to you just for a few minutes about why the reverence of God is the beginning of knowledge. It says it's the begin, beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge. It's starting point and it's essence. So without reverence for the Lord... I cannot have knowledge. Without reverence for God, I'm not going to have truth. This is, this is what the Bible says. Do you see that this morning? Fear of the Lord. The reverent fear of the Lord. I just want to speak for a minute about this. The reverent fear of the Lord is not a terror kind of fear. It's not being afraid of God. And there are people who teach it that way and say, you know, fear of the Lord, you better just tremble before him and... and Terry and hope that he forgives you of your sins and you know do do these things so that you don't have to be afraid of God but but still be kind of afraid of God there are people that want you to believe that way that is not what this kind of fear of the Lord is talking about because if I'm in right standing with God if I know that I've received the love of God I mean it's first uh, John 4 18 talks about perfect love casting out fear so if I've received the love of God perfected in me then I'm not going to be afraid of God amen I want you to know that if you're in this church, you shouldn't be afraid of God. He doesn't want you to be scared of him. He doesn't want you to be terrified when he shows up. I believe like what we had at the end of worship today. I don't know if anybody was just like scared out of their mind when we were in the glory of God. But you shouldn't be. When God shows up, I shouldn't like be terrified of what's about to happen. Oh no, he's here. If that's your view of God, you're looking at it wrong. You, you don't know enough truth if that's how you look at God. He is a loving, good father. Not someone who comes down and, and tries to get us. You know, if, if he wanted us all to go to hell and burn, that could happen. He could have just not sent the son. Amen? But he did because he loves us. And he doesn't want us afraid of him. He doesn't want to pour out wrath. That's why he sent the son. And Jesus took it so that we wouldn't have to. He doesn't want you fearful of him in the sense of terror and, and being afraid. It's a, it's a matter of respecting the awesome power and greatness of him. I put this comparison down and, and I, I'm not in any way trying to say that like God is the ocean and anything weird like that, but he reveals himself in his creation 
And to me, when I think about the ocean, it reminds me of the reverence I have for God. Standing right here right now, I'm not scared of the ocean. But I recognize the power of the ocean. And, and I'm not going to go jumping into the ocean thinking that I'm stronger than the ocean. I'm not going to go jumping into the ocean thinking that it just can't do anything to me because I'm better than it. I'm, you know, yeah, that's the ocean, but I'm Isaac Wangler. So watch out, ocean. I mean, that's the reverence we're talking about here. It's not that I'm so scared of the ocean right now, but I respect the power of the ocean. I respect how awesome the ocean is. I, I love how beautiful the ocean is. That's, that's a type of reverence at work and how much more it ought to be for God who created the ocean. I mean, words are, are hard to describe. The reverence we have for God. It is worshipful and it acknowledges his power. You know, reverence, uh, we, could, we could put a couple words to it here. It, it is like worship, a respect, and an amazement for God. That's the fear of the Lord when we're talking about reverence. Now I'll tell you, if, if you don't know the Lord and, and you're not sure where you're going when you pass from this earthly body, there is something to be feared in, in the wrath of God, which is in hell. But if you've received the Lord as your Savior, you don't have to fear that. His perfect love has cast that fear out because I'm right with Him now. Amen? And so there's, there's two different things going on. There is reverence and then there is terror. The children of God should not be terrified by God. We ought to look at Him as a loving Father. And so I just want to identify that the reverent fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So how does this apply? How does this reverence, how does this respect, how does this worship, how does this amazement for God apply to being the beginning of knowledge? <clears throat> to receive from Him, I must reverence Him. To receive from Him, I must respect Him. To receive from Him, I must value Him. And just think about this in terms of people you know. Do you, do you listen when someone you don't respect starts talking about an issue? And I'm not, I'm not trying to like get controversial here or anything, but if someone doesn't know anything about a certain subject and they start telling me what they think about it, I mean, I'm not going to be rude, but I'm probably not going to listen. Anybody else? I'm just telling you, like if, if someone admits to me, I don't know anything about this, but here's what I think about it. I'll hear what you're saying. I mean, I'll hear you out, but I'm probably not about to go and change my life based on your little opinion about something you don't know anything about. That would be foolish, wouldn't it? In order to take what God says and, and apply it and value it, to, to know it and believe it is truth, I have to believe that he's got the credentials, that, that he's got the stuff to tell me about this, that he knows what he's talking about. Do you believe that God knows what he's talking about? The one who created everything and we exist in him and creation exists in him. I think he knows what he's talking about. And I think sometimes this is an element that almost gets overlooked or taken for granted. It's like, yeah, go to the word. But do you really believe everything the word says? And believing what the word says and receiving it as truth, that can only happen if I really believe that God knows what he's talking about. If I really believe that He's creator and everything exists through him and in him. And if I believe that, I'm going to be receptive to his word. I'm going to be receptive to his truth. So I put this down about this element. I can't skip the start. I've always, my whole life, you know, I've, I've read what Proverbs has to say about wisdom, how awesome it is, how valuable it is, and I want it. Anybody else in here, you'll want wisdom. The reason I'm talking about reverence and, and knowledge and the beginning of it this morning is because you can't skip the start. 
You can't skip right to wisdom without having reverence for God, without spending time in the word to get to know what God has to say. You can't just skip to wisdom. And, and I agree that like it's James 1, 5 talks about if any of you lack wisdom, ask and you will receive it because he gives it liberally. Well, I, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to try to get there without doing the other parts that I'm supposed to do. I'm not just going to try to get it without having knowledge of God. Because we said earlier, if, if I don't know anything, I can't apply any of that knowledge. Amen? And, and if I don't reverence God and value Him as Creator and the one who holds it all together, if I don't have reverence for God, I'm not going to have knowledge of God. Because that's where we can read the Word and just like glaze right through it and none of it makes an impact. I'm probably not recognizing in this moment that He is the Creator and He knows it all. Because I'll tell you, when I, preach the, when I approach the Bible with that kind of reverent heart, I'm going to get something out of the Word. When I approach it knowing, okay, He is the one that knows the most about all of this. I mean, this is, this is the gold standard on all truth is the Word of God. You know, if, if I knew that I could go to someone who knows everything about a topic and they were going to give me flawless and perfect truth about it every single time, I'm not talking about like Wikipedia. I'm talking about something that is really the truth and really good. If I knew I could get that, I would approach and I would receive. When we reverence God, we approach and we receive. We come to the word knowing that he knows what he's talking about. And then as we have the word put in us, as we read it, as we hear it, well, our faith is built up. We're stirred up. The truth is, is put in our hearts. It's written on our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's wisdom, the foundation of it is knowledge. The foundation of knowledge is reverence for God. And so just to summarize what I'm talking about, in order to have godly wisdom, I must acknowledge him in his greatness. In order to have godly wisdom, I have to have godly reverence. You see it this morning. I bet you didn't think we were going to end up talking about reverence when I said the valuable word. But you can't have one without the other. You can't have the wisdom of God without having the reverence of God, without seeing Him in His, in his greatness, without worshiping Him in His greatness. I have to have this res respect is probably the best word to summarize it, to summarize reverence. At least it's the one that makes the most sense to me. I have to have respect for God before I can have the wisdom of God. Because if I don't respect Him, if I don't care what He has to say, then I'm never going to receive His knowledge or His truth. Amen. I want to give you some identifiers so you can recognize godly wisdom. I told you this was going to be part of it. Going back to the purpose of the message this morning, identify the need for godly wisdom in this hour. There's a need for godly wisdom in this hour. The day is evil. We need some people who have the wisdom of God, who have the knowledge of God, who are reverent of God and have the truth and can bring that light into the evil world. We need a different kind of wisdom than what the world is bringing. We need it in this hour. And here is where we are being equipped to differentiate between the world wisdom and God's wisdom. Let's look at James 3, verse 14 through 17 and see how we can recognize godly wisdom. You know, I, I've said this before. I've, I, I'm kind of like a guy who likes the list. I like to have some like attributes so I can like run things through the filter and see if it, if it works, if it applies, if it's the right thing. And this is kind of what James 3 verse 14 through 17 is for wisdom. This is a list of what godly wisdom looks like. This is, as we read through it, you're going to see here that any wisdom, the way truth is being applied, 
any way that godly wisdom is going to look, it's going to align with these parameters. And as I thought about examples of it, I, I thought, wow, that is it's so true. It's so right on that any godly wisdom I've ever received, it, it aligns perfectly with this passage of Scripture in James 3, verse 14. It says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. They are a kind of wisdom, but they're not God's kind of wisdom. Jealousy and selfishness are the first two like big red flags that this wisdom is from the world. If the wisdom is motivated by selfishness or this wisdom is motivated by envy and jealousy, it's not from God. It's not his kind of wisdom. Because as we go on here, what we're going to find is there is a different kind of wisdom that comes from heaven. It says, for um, jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Here's two other things about God's wisdom. It's not disorderly, it's not chaotic, and it's not evil. It's good. It's going to lead to good things. We'll see that next. In verse 17, it says, The wisdom from above, God's kind of wisdom, this is what it looks like. First of all, it's pure. It's pure. It's, it's something holy. It's something untarnished, unblemished by sin. God's not going to mix sin into His plan. God's not going to mix sin into his direction. God's not going to mix a little in there just to make it work. No, his is going to be pure. It's going to be the good stuff. Amen? The real stuff. Godly wisdom is going to be pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And so we see this comparison Earthly wisdom, it's described as selfish and jealous. It's described as disorderly and evil. And the wisdom of God is described as pure, peace-loving, gentle. I, I wrote down preferential because it, it says it will yield to others. It's merciful, it's good, it's impartial, and it's sincere. It's genuine, it's the real thing. I wrote down a couple of words about each of these things. I already talked about pure. It's without sin, without wrongdoing, without ill will. It's not mixing in the bad just to get a little bit of good. Um, the second thing it said is it's peace-loving. What I wrote down about peace-loving is that it is, it is desiring peace in the long term. The wisdom of God is going to be working toward peace in the end. It loves peace. Its desire is peace. Its, its end goal is peace. That's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God isn't going to cause this, you know, this huge divide and everybody's going to be mad and it's going to cause all these problems. That's not God's plan. Here's the other part of it, though. We have to recognize that there is true peace, which is a long-term peace, or there is a short-term kind of faux peace. Because there's, there's a peace that comes with passivity, but it never lasts. To just do nothing for a little while might work, but eventually the problem is still there. Peace deals with the problem. Peace takes care of it. Peace makes peace where there was once not peace. Amen? It doesn't just back off and say, I'm just not going to do anything about this, and hopefully the situation will resolve itself. That's not peacemaking. It's, it's passive. And, and it's just important to realize this, that God's wisdom is going to deal with things in a way that end in peace for the long term. Amen? We, God doesn't want to leave chaotic little things going on in our life. It, it's to make peace. I mean, Jesus even said in the world, you're going to have trouble, but in me, you have peace. He came to put things to peace. And when he deals with it, it's dealt with. Amen? Isn't that true? The work's completed on the cross. I mean, that's why he said it is finished because it has been done and made to peace. 
And so it's, peace isn't something where we're going to have to, it's going to pop up and we're going to deal with it again and again and again. No, peace takes care of it. Peace puts it away. Gentleness, we preached about that a couple months back. Just to give you a summary, gentleness is it's powerful, it's effective, yet it's regulated for the good of another. Gentleness is power in restraint. It's meekness. It's applying what's needed, but, but not so much that it is damaging or hurtful. Gentleness is something that is going to be godly in wisdom. Preferential. I, I wrote down serving, loving. That's what preference is. I prefer you rather than just doing what I want. It's selfless. Serving, loving, this is preferential, yielding itself to others, which is the exact opposite of worldly wisdom, which is selfish. So selfless, it's loving, preferential. It's merciful, it's described as merciful. We talked about this recently too. It's compassionate, it's forgiving. That's God's mercy. Aren't you grateful the mercy of God has given you forgiveness? That God's been merciful to you. That's God's plan of wisdom is there's going to be forgiveness extending to others. There's going to be compassion for others. A consideration for others. Praise the Lord. Godly wisdom. It's good. It's it's the opposite of the devil's plan. Because his plan is not good. It's the exact opposite. God's plan, which is good, is right. So if we're going to judge this thing, this is going to be the right thing. God isn't going to take you down a wrong path, a wrong plan. It's upstanding. And it's life-giving. God, Jesus came to give abundant life. And so his good plan is going to be a plan that gives life, not takes life. It's impartial. I just wrote down the word just. It, it, is, it is just. It, it doesn't, you know, skew things for the benefit of another. It's, it's just going to do what's right. That's impartiality. Doing what's right and applying the same standard for everybody. Um, and then sincere. Sincere, I mean, this, this is a big one too. The wisdom for today is going to be something that's genuine, something that's real, something that's not, a, you know, it's, it's not deceptive, it's not lying, it's not misleading. It's the real thing. And I'm not going to have to make somebody think something that's not true in order to apply a plan of godly wisdom. God's plan is going to deal with the real stuff. It's going to be sincere. It's going to be genuine, not covering up. And so here's a few qualifiers of God's wisdom. I just I wanted to give you these this morning because we're talking about how we need godly wisdom and how we can differentiate different kinds of wisdom. I say this because there's so many words thrown at you today. There are so many voices trying to get your attention and give you some wisdom today, and they're not all good. They're not all good. Now, I tell you, I don't just read the Bible. I don't know if anybody thinks that I do, but I read other things, I listen to other things, I talk to other people. This is my primary source. And every other voice that I listen to, every word, every other word I receive, I filter. And if it's not aligning with God's word, if it's not aligning with his kind of wisdom, I'm going to listen to it less and less and less. And eventually those things seem to just kind of make their way out of my life. I'm careful about who I receive words from. I'm careful about who I listen to because I don't want worldly wisdom, the evil days wisdom coming into my life. I don't want to be contaminated with that. I don't want to be misled by that. And so I look to be around people. I look to listen to words preached from people, just talked from people, spoken from people, prayed from people that are based in the Word of God and not opinions or other things. Amen? I think we could all do well to have more of God's Word coming straight out of the Word or from other people. Don't you agree? I want the good stuff. I want the pure stuff. I don't want the junk. I don't want the evil day getting in. I want the glorious, perfect, eternal life I have in Christ. Amen. 
It's a valuable word. It's a life-giving word. And so I give you this, this list of these things, pure, peace-loving, gentle, preferential, merciful, good, impartial, and sincere. There's eight for you. Eight things that you can filter wisdom through to find out if it's godly or not. Do you like that kind of thing? I like that. I like it when someone can give me something like that. And I can mark it off in my Bible and I, I can write it down and think, okay, this is where I got to go. You just gave me some advice. Let me check with the word. This is a place you can go and check it. This is a very applicable thing we can use in filtering wisdom in our life. Because you're going to get advice. You're going to get opinions. You're going to get wisdom from the world. But I'm just telling you, if it doesn't line up with godly wisdom, it's not from him. Because he's not going to go back on what he said. If this is what godly wisdom looked like, he's not, he's not going to change what godly wisdom is because he doesn't change. His word is true, yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change it. And so I can trust and know that this is what godly wisdom looks like. Amen. And so it's, I, I just believe it's a beneficial thing. I think it's something to be equipped with that we can know what godly wisdom looks like. We are out of time this morning, and so I am just trying to decide what I'm going to end with. If the worship team would come on up, we're going to close with them playing, and, and we'll have a song, and then we'll go out and eat. Um, I think I want to I close by talking about walking in it. I had a couple other things I thought I might get to this morning, but I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, and then I'll have just one more scripture I'm going to go to after that. We'll do this quick. <clears throat> you know, God... He reveals himself in his word to us. That, that's why the word is so valuable. Is it, is, it is a place where we can learn about God. It is a place where we will receive the knowledge of God. And as we receive that, like I was speaking about earlier, um, we have to make the decision that we're going to trust him. We have to make a decision about who or what we're going to lean on, who or what we're going to put our trust in, who or what we're going to put our hope in. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, this section of scriptures, Paul's writing to the church and he's encouraging them. He's saying, hey, we've got courage. We've got hope. We, we're spiritually alive. We know where we're going at the end. And then this is what he says about all that. He says, we have all of these great things going for us because we have the knowledge of God, because we know God and we know what we've become in Christ. And then this is what he says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. He's saying we're living our life. The reason we're confident, the reason we have hope, the reason we know where we're going, it's not because of anything we see happening here and right now. It's because of the word of God. It's because of what he's written to us. It's because we're living our lives in a manner consistent with the confident belief in God's promises. It's saying I believe that what God said in his word is true. And so I'm going to live consistently that what he said is what is true in my life. And I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to live my life based on that, not on just what I'm seeing. It's like waking up the, the sixth sense of knowing God's word and knowing what's true spiritually and not physically. You know, if, if I know that something smells bad, I might not go in there. Amen. Or if something smells really good, I'm going to get in there and see if I can get some of that food. Spiritually speaking, there's a sense that we're supposed to have, which is alive by the word of God. When we get to know God, when we know his word, when we have faith, which comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, when we have faith, it's the sixth sense that we can follow in faith in the word of God. And, and we're going to be led by God, by his word, by our faith in his word to live fully alive, to live a courageous life, to live a life full of hope, to live a life secure, knowing where I'm going. This is something that's done by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. 
I don't just walk based on what I see and experience in the here and now. I walk with faith in God's word. I walk with belief. And here's something else about it. Faith walks. Faith takes action. Faith moves. Faith isn't just a stagnant thing that I never do anything with. Faith isn't just a Sunday morning thing. Faith is an everyday living it out kind of thing. It's living out the Word of God every day of my life. It's living with expectation that the Word and the promise of God is true every single day of my life. That's faith. Faith isn't just something I I talk about in prayer once in a while. Faith is, is living. Faith is walking. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith walks. It takes action. I'm not going to go there this morning, but in Hebrews 11, there's, there's this whole list of all of these awesome people who have lived throughout time. Flawed people, but people used by God because they had faith in God, because they believed God's word, because they valued the word of God and they trusted God that they could live confident in his word, believing him, and they could live consistently with that. You know, I, every single person in that list, they, they just had faith actively working in their life. Um, But to live consistently with faith, to live consistently with our confident belief in God's promise, um, there's there's two questions, and I want to end with these asking. You guys can go ahead and start playing this morning. Two questions to end asking, am I living consistent with confident belief in God's promise or His valuable word? Am I operating in the wisdom of God? The first is this, am I fully confident in the word of God? something we have to ask if we're going to live in the wisdom of God and not in the evil wisdom of the world if I'm going to live every day of my life in the good godly wisdom that's available the first thing I have to ask is this am I fully confident in the word of God do I believe that God knows what he's talking about that's a decision we all have to make because like I said earlier if we don't reverence him we're not going to have his knowledge we're not going to have his knowledge not in our heart if I don't if I don't believe he is who he says he is, if I don't believe he can do what he says he can do, if I don't believe that he has life like he says he has life, then I'm not going to be receptive to his word. I'm not going to value his word if I don't believe it. So the first is this, am I fully confident in him and in his word? And if the answer to that is yes, then the second question I ask is this, am I grounded enough to live consistent with the word? Have I built myself up or allowed myself to be built up in the word enough that I can live it consistently? Because I don't know about you, but, but there are things I've heard one time before in my life and I've never thought about them again. Have you ever had something like that? You thought about it one time, you thought, oh, that was kind of good, and then you never thought about it again. I've got some things like that. Pieces that just kind of flutter in and then flutter out, blown away as the wind blows. That's not consistent. That's not being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And that's His plan for you. How do I get grounded? So there's two questions for you this morning as we close. And I want you to just consider these for yourself. Are you fully confident in the Word of God? And if you are, that's great. We can move on to the next one. And if you're not, then I want to encourage you, read about who God is. Or or evaluate what am I confident in? And is it as good as God? Is it as steady as God? Is it as consistent as God? Does it come through like God comes through? Is it as stable as God is stable? Does it bring life the way God brings life? And if it's not, I encourage you, consider making the switch. Consider moving to putting your confidence fully in God instead of that other person, instead of that other thing, instead of yourself. The second one is this, am I grounded enough to live consistent in the Word? Have I I let the Word of God just kind of flutter in and flutter out of my life? Or have I valued it enough to get steady in it, 
to get built up, to get rooted and grounded in it. I wrote this down about getting consistent in the Word of God. And the last scripture I'm going to read this morning is John 6, 28 and 29 in the Amplified. I must feed on it, or, or rather feed on Him, in order to be grounded in Him. If it's just going to blow in and blow out, I, I'm, I'm not going to get consistent in it. I'm not going to get stable in it. But if I will receive it, if I'll receive Him, and we talked this morning um, when we were doing communion about receiving Him, and, and we did the physical action of receiving or, or feeding on bread and juice as a symbol of what we've received in Christ. Am I feeding on Christ? Let's look at John 6, 28 and 29. It says, they asked him, what are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God? That's consistency. What do I do so that I can consistently be living the word of God, the work of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe, adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in the one whom he has sent. Habitually doing the work of God, consistently walking in God's word, consistently living God's works out in my life. It requires us to receive Him. This is the work that you believe, adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in the one whom He has sent. That's Christ. In order to live consistently, I have to receive Christ. This is why I believe He likened Himself to bread and wine in the word. What we received is bread and juice this morning. As we receive Him, or receive the Word of God, this valuable Word, what we're doing is, is we are getting consistency in our life. This is where consistency comes in, is the Word of God, time in the Word, feeding your spirit, man. You know, if, if I'm starving, I'm not going to have the strength to do the things I know I need to do. Our strength, our consistency, our ability to live out the Word of God, live in the works of God, it comes from feeding on the Word. It comes from taking in Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. The Word is Christ. Christ is the Word. So get the Word in you, and you're feeding on Christ. Do you know that? When you receive the Word of God, when you spend time in the Word, you're eating. Your spirit man is eating. And you're not just letting these things come in and blow out. You're putting them in you. You're getting grounded. You're getting rooted. You're getting built up so that you can live consistently in the Word of God. Are you encouraged in that this morning to know that we can live consistently and confidently in the Word of God? We have a valuable Word. We have the wisdom of God available to us. Would you stand this morning as we close this service? The wisdom of God, just to close this, is needed today. This is a day where there's a lot of other wisdom out there, but the wisdom of God is unlike any other. We need His wisdom, and that starts with reverence, which leads to knowledge. And when we have the Word, the knowledge of God, we're going to have the wisdom of God operating in our life. I don't know about you, but I will be unsatisfied with any other kind of wisdom. I want His kind. I am fully confident in who God is, and I'm making a decision today to be grounded enough, fed enough in the Word, then I'll be consistent. Do you agree with that this morning? Do you want to be confident? Do you want to be consistent in the Word of God? Well, then pray this with me and we'll close this service. Father, I thank you this morning that we've seen in your Word wisdom's available. Knowledge is available. Lord, we love you and we worship you. We recognize you as the creator of all, the one through whom we have our very existence and life. And so we trust you. We're confident in you. We lean on you today, putting our trust fully in you, knowing that your Word is the truth, that you are capable and able to fulfill your promises. Lord, we do put our 
confidence and our trust in you. And we make a decision today, Lord, that I'm going to feed my spirit, man. I'm going to receive Christ as Lord and Savior every single day. I'm going to get in the Word of God, and I'm going to receive your Word. I'm going to look at you with reverence as I read the Word. So I receive that knowledge. And out of that, Lord, I believe your Holy Spirit will show us wisdom. I thank you that you've even given me Word through which I can look. I can filter the wisdom of man, the wisdom that comes during the day, Lord. And I can see if it is from you or not. I thank you that you've given us these things today to equip us to live in the wisdom of heaven, a wisdom which comes from above, not the kind in the world. So Lord, we trust you in that today, and we make a decision to get grounded, to get rooted, to get consistent, to feed our spirit man the word of God. If you agree with that, I want you to pray this just real quick. Pray this with me and say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm confident in your word. And I make a decision to get consistent. I want to feed on you. I want to receive you. And so I look to the word. Holy Spirit, remind me when I'm looking for wisdom to look to the word reverently. So I'll receive the knowledge which will be taught and applied into wisdom. I receive that today in Jesus' name. I make that decision today in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees said amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Let's praise as we close the service.